Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Adam Holland. How you doing? Doing well. Pretty busy. Uh, still had time to make it down to Eugene this past Saturday, so that was good. Uh, yeah, one of the uh, the, the many uh, inflammatory uh, articles that you've uh, written for the site uh, <laughs> with begging uh, uh, let Autzen be Autzen again, uh, to, to, to quote a Langston Hughes poem. I think that's what he was writing about. Um, and uh, 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 so you were in Autzen Stadium. Uh, what did you think? Did you get your wish? <laughs> this was uh, this was by far the best atmosphere I've experienced in Autzen in many years. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. The fans stepped up. I know there was a lot of hype surrounding, you know, Coach Prime bringing his squad in there and everything. Um, I, I was wondering about like the the stripe out. I was kind of like seeing when I saw that on my ticket. I was like, are the fans really going to respond to this? Because you know, over time, uh, Oregon's done a, a, a fairly decent job with their, their green outs, their yellow outs, their black outs. Sometimes they don't really quite do it to the level that some stadiums will do it, where they will really just follow it to a, to a pin. Uh, but yeah, the, man, like this ain't this ain't the Midwest, or, you know, where people follow marching orders. Like, yeah, this is a bunch of like aging hippies and yeah. uh, free thinkers. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I was I was curious how the fans would respond to that. Uh, they responded amazingly, and the stripe out looked incredible. Um, That's cool. And then you you know you get you go with the uh, with with the crowd. I think I believe they said it was the sixth largest in Autumn history. Mm. Um, so it was it was full to the brim. Students were back and forth. Um, as far as the noise and the atmosphere goes, like I said, uh, it was it was right up there um, with you know some of the the better games I've been to. It was absolutely the best atmosphere I've experienced since uh, Washington in 2018. Uh, I guess the only, like I said, the only uh, thing was is the game was pretty much over at halftime. So yeah, well, the, I mean the, that's the, the fun continued, but the uh, maybe the noise and enthusiasm died down just a little bit, just because at that point we were like, okay, well we we already got this. I mean, halftime was exactly when I I. I marked half time or uh, garbage time beginning from for my film review article. So, you know, that that line that tracks. Um, did you, you know, backing up a bit to the, you know, to the article that you wrote, you know, prior to the game, did you did you think that Autzen wasn't bringing it, you know, uh, in, in earlier games? Um, <clears throat> Autzen's always going to bring it to a degree. And you've, you've you've definitely seen some games where they've been, you know, pretty boisterous, pretty loud. I know. That the rivalry games they've done a good job with that the crowd that went to the washington game last year was very good the, the crowd that went to the uh 2021 civil war kept kept the heat on pretty well um i think what i was looking for was just kind of like a revisit to at least what Autzen had been becoming over the past 20 years or so which was would really like a house of horrors for visiting teams um i was lucky enough to you know attend uo in the later 2000s when, you know, we had guys like 
Dennis Dixon and Jeremiah Masoli and, you know, Chip Kelly around. And, you know, the place was literally just like shaking every game. And, um, you know, that continued into the 2010s and everything. Um, what I what I had said was uh, that essentially like at least maybe even perhaps prior to the pandemic. And I'm, I'm not sure why completely, because, you know, we had a brilliant uh, Rose Bowl team with led by Justin Herbert. But uh, especially uh, since the, the pandemic ended, um, or at least started to fade out, I had not seen and heard aughts in the way I remembered it. That's, that's not to say that, you know, it, it, it couldn't be loud, that the fans couldn't have fun, but it, it just wasn't to the level that, you know, we'd, we'd gotten used to over the course of like the 2000s and 2010s. Uh, a big part of that, I think, obviously goes into inflation. Um, when you, when you, you know, jack ticket prices up from 40 bucks a pop to like 150 a pop or whatnot, you're going to get to the point where you're going to start losing some of those younger, you know, more enthusiastic, boisterous fans, because, you know, a lot of people straight out of college, you know, the students can always show up, but you know, that younger generation isn't going to be able to just throw lots and lots of money into there. I think that's also a reason why uh, we, we don't see the uh, the sellout streak continuing that had been going for so long. I know for, you know, a good 15 years or so there, we had like a sellout streak where Austin was always sold out. Um, so I, I blame inflation. Um, I, I blame, you know, some, some tediousness coming back from the pandemic and, and gathering in large crowds again mm. a lot of things to look at but it's it was good to know and good to find out uh last saturday that that atmosphere that i had you know praised so much in the past can still be there and absolutely can still be a factor what do you think about beer sales at the stadium <laughs> well like i like i've always said to to, to really get people loud you got to get them liquored uh, there's just, <laughs> you know, there's just no other way around it. Um, I do think <clears throat> that, you know, trying to like keep things under control by, by, you know, with the beer sales, uh, can, can be, you know, a good strategy because, you know, they, they're like, Oh, well, we want this to be more of like a family atmosphere and whatnot. Bottom line is though, is that if, if, if you're going to, you know, bring your family to the game and whatnot, it's, it's, it's more about knowing where in the stadium to be rather than just like limiting beer sales and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty much a well-known fact that the renovated side of the stadium tends to be the, you know, the, the more upper tier kind of like, you know, like donor, like longtime season ticket holding crowd. And, the other side, you know, the unrenovated side, uh, that that tends to be like the the madhouse. Um, I, I, I've experienced this myself just sitting on both sides of the stadium, and I can definitely tell you it's true. And so as far as like, you know, the beer sales stuff, I say, you know, if, if people want to come to the game, get nice and liquored up and, and, and throw, a, throw a fit in the stands, you know, let them. They're not hurting anybody except maybe the opposing team's ears. Uh, so, yeah, it's more about just understanding where to get your seats in the stadium as opposed to really trying to like, you know, make it just like a Sesame Street kind of atmosphere, which is it's it's never going to be. It's a f college stadium, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, I I I viewed it as a safety issue, frankly. I mean, like I, I was I was going to Autzen Stadium and other uh, uh, college football stadiums, you know, um, you know when when there were no alcohol sales and like, look, man, you know, people were just sneaking 
you know, liquor in. Um, and they weren't sneaking beer in because like, how the hell are you going to sneak beer in? You know, it's just a basic portability issue. They'd sneak in liquor. And then like in between the, you know, the, 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 the higher alcohol content and the fact that you're not hydrating while you're doing that, uh, you know, like people just get drunk like fast. Uh, and, and like, I mean, I, broken up fights or like restrained people you know while doing it's just like unpleasant you know uh, or you know people just have a harder time you know they're illicitly trying to sip on you know booze you know and they slam it all down the first quarter and you know it's just a you know bad news uh and uh you know I, i've never you know since since beer sales started up you know at all the you know not just Odyssey stadium but all the college football stadiums that i visited you know that Otson was not the first that started beer sales I, i'd been to others that had beer sales before Otson did like uh never seen a problem like you know it's just hey you know like just confront it like adults you know people want to consume you know alcohol you know sell it regulate it uh and uh and, and you know pr provide it while they're there they can get other beverages you know give them water you know their hydration stations for free you know they can meter it out it's just like it just seems like way more rational than like and look man like a hundred years ago we went through this as a country like prohibiting alcohol sales does not end well like how did we no. not learn our lesson you know nor is it ever going to actually stop people from drinking <laughs> anyway i mean i'm you know like people like you said people are going to get their liquor into Alton anyway. Yeah, and it's there was, like, a, there was a group of men sitting a couple rows up from me on Saturday that were just plastered out of their mind, and I don't think they got that way from beer alone. Mm, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, anyway, like uh, now my, the other like controversial question um, is, uh, you know, obviously between the the third and fourth quarter, there's there's uh, there's great singing, dancing to shout, you know, the great. Uh, traditions although somewhat new actually like a lot of uh, you know maybe younger uh, uh Oregon fans may not know this like it doesn't you know shout doesn't go back that far um it's in in the grand history of Autzen Stadium it, it's uh it's relatively recent but it's so beloved that it's like embedded itself in all of us and you've all learned the lyrics and how to dance to it and so forth and like you know you get you get you know some some you know several you know tens of thousands of white people all clapping in unison which like i mean that's an accomplishment in and of itself <laughs> um uh, uh uh but there's also coming home what what is your opinion of coming home adam uh I, <laughs> maybe it's just because it wasn't a tradition for me when i was a student um i know oh, so you're getting old is what you're it, saying it's, it's yeah I'm, I'm i'm getting old here's the thing i like matt kearney i already had like some of his songs you know on my itunes and everything like that um it's hard to get behind that song as a as a like traditional anthem every game just because it uh, and, and you know what i mean i'm, I'm probably gonna ruffle some feathers pardon the puns the, the, the lyrics are a little corny. I'm not going to lie. For, for, a little? For a football game where the atmosphere I just don't think it's a football you, song. Yeah. I, like, I just, it's just like, it's the wrong rhythm. It's the it is wrong. Not the, it is not the right anthem for a football game. You know, it's, you look around and you see, you know, Wisconsin would jump around and whatnot. And, you know, Oregon would shout. That makes sense. That's a it's, party. It's like it's like a you know? it's like maybe a pregame song or a postgame yeah, song. Exactly. It's not like a mid-game song. You honestly, know? and here's what I think. Here's what I honestly think. I think they did it 
so that they could work in those pregame pump-up highlights that they've always mm. used. Uh, because you notice that they stopped doing that. That was all, mm. actually always something that I loved when I would go to Autzen. And, you know, before kickoff, right before the, you know, the, the Ducks came out, they'd show all those highlights from all, you know, the last 10 years or something with all the biggest plays and whatnot. And then they'd come roaring out behind the motorcycle. That was amazing. I don't know why they, they axed that in the first place. But for whatever reason, they did. And so I think that what they're doing is they're trying to use that as like a way to keep those highlights still in there. Uh, but again, just, you know, like Joey's stumble TD in the holiday bowl, <laughs> Wheaton's pick six, they, they just, they don't bode well with that music. It just doesn't work. And so I literally have, have been to the point where I've been so opposed to coming home that I have <laughs> chosen to, uh, uh, somewhat sarcastically and somewhat, you know, uh, like literally take a knee during it because I was just like, I do, I'm, I'm, I'm not behind this song. I just can't get behind this. All right. Tradition. So I, ho- I hope you've gotten it out of your system. That like I, I'm, I'm issuing an editorial proclamation right, right here, right now on this podcast. Like you don't get to write about it. All <laughs> no, right. Like that's no, a little I'm, too I'm, trivial. I'm not going, I'm yeah. not going to. It's, it's, right. it's not. It's not worth voicing yeah. that much of an opinion but you, you, you got your two minutes on the podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right um what about uh, uh i admitted that i i the most recently i've been to the stadium has been um the spring game which i enjoyed tremendously you know the the, the only team in the pac-12 takes spring game seriously yes. uh, uh like it was great uh, you know i deeply enjoyed it i just have not been unfortunately is not worked out for me to be able to go to i really wanted to go to the hawaii game um i really 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 tried to make it work and i just couldn't swing it and then this weekend um i um, i my cousin got married uh i had to go uh and uh i mean i knew it was going to happen in this game i did the film study for it um and i actually rather enjoyed well i rather enjoyed being at the wedding i didn't enjoy this cousin they always pair me with this cousin in dominoes to 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 to, to drag me down because like the dumbest person that i'm related to um uh but anyway uh, <laughs> any, anyway um but uh, uh i mean i had a fun time regardless but uh you know i'm sort of running out of uh, of tickets i can get to Autzen stadium uh, you know like it's it's difficult to 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 work it in my schedule as a film reviewer because it's like i can't review the game while i'm <laughs> at the stadium um, but uh i mean badwater has been getting like up in the press booth to to, to watch the games which is like oh, yeah you thank, know, like thank, i don't, I don't know how we're that. swinging that like no, I, I thank god know. for that that is i mean at least at least in my not so humble opinion that is long overdue for us to have uh press access i i get he's getting like you know free free chicken wings and baked potatoes out of out of, out of the university of oregon on, on, on taxpayers dime or something I, I'm, I'm not sure um but uh uh yeah man i really wanted to go to the hawaii game anyway i wanted to ask you like how's the um uh, 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 yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to hear quite as much of the, uh, supposedly revised sound system in the spring game as I wanted to hear. I want to, what's your review of the new sound system? Um, it's, 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 it's crisper. It's clearer for sure. And since, you know, since you have like so much of it emitting from that, you know, insanely big jumbotron that they've, oh, yeah. they've thrown up on the South end zone there, um, I mean that. I mean that in itself, just because it's so friggin' big, actually helps trap the noise even more. It's almost you know kind of like a like a small second overhang or yeah. whatnot. 
but uh, no, the sound the sound system sounds good for sure. Um, you know, when they're when they're putting on kind of like stadium pulse kind of music and whatnot, it's it's crisper than it used to be. Um, the only thing is, you don't want it to get so crisp and so you know what I mean, like uh, you know, prevalent that it that it drowns out the noise of the actual crowd. <laughs> so like, let's you know, let's 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 keep it up to speed. Let's keep it up to date, like everything at Oregon should be because of the amount of money we have. But let's uh, let's let's not take away from the actual noise made by the fans either. So uh, there has been we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it at least a little bit, although, I, frankly, I'm, I'm fairly exhausted by the all the, you know, the social media uh, uh, stuff about, um, you know, uh, uh, Colorado and, and, and who gets to monopolize, you know, uh, the media's attention and who's, you know, puffing whose chest out. Um, I, I, I am curious, though, since you were at the game and, and you did. Well, I guess. Part of what exhausts me about, um, you know, all the, the, you know, the media coverage and the hype and the so forth is that it comes through a filter of people who are not disinterested, objective journalists. They come from ESPN, mm -hmm. et, et cetera, who are, are, you know, who are, you know, in, in the sort of, uh, I, I don't know why this is permitted, but they're, they're simultaneously the broadcaster and the commentator, you know, yeah. like there's no, there, there's no wall, you know. There, there's no, you know, that they're both the newsroom and the editorial, you know, room. And so, and they're the ad sales department all in one. And, uh, and so it's like, you know, they are filtering it for whatever their interests are and they're presenting, you know, whatever window uh, that they prefer. And so I'm sort of like, I don't know how much I can trust any of this stuff. You, on the other hand, Adam, I trusted you implicitly. I, may not be a good idea but here we are uh <laughs> we'll find uh, out I, I am interested do you have any firsthand experiences with the 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 whole experience of you know the new colorado buffaloes team uh coming to town that you uh, want to share as being particularly interesting or noteworthy well <clears throat> the the thing people have to understand is that everything oregon did in in pregame and whatnot uh, you know, having the duck dress up like like Dion, you know what <laughs> what Dan Manning said in the locker room and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, smashing a prime clock. Yeah, but you weren't in the locker room. I'm asking for no. firsthand stuff. Yeah, so I mean, the thing is, is I mean, it, I assume you weren't in the locker room. Did, no, did I mean, ATQ been, access get you there? Yeah, no, it would have been nice, but no, uh, we don't we don't have that much. Um, all right. So I mean, I think just basically what people have to understand is it was all motivational. Um, I don't I don't believe that at least from the, the side of Oregon that anybody has like a personal vendetta against Colorado or anything. Um, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I don't see why anybody would. I, I, I absolutely yeah. love what Dion is doing. He's bringing, you know what I mean? A lot of like love and passion back to college football. Um, he's going about it in his own way, which is awesome. Does that rub certain people the wrong way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you already yeah. saw I, a lot listening. of the people who, whom it rubs the wrong way are people whose opinions I very specifically do not care about. So, yeah. like, uh -huh. so it's like, I mean, come on, man. This is this is Dion. Anybody that you know grew up watching primetime knows what he's all about and how he's going to act, and he is who he is. He's not going to come up there in like a tailored tweed suit with a bow mm -hmm. tie using words out of a thesaurus, you know, like he's going to, he's going to go about things his own way, but the, the, the words out of a thesaurus. Is, what are you talking about? He's a, I, <laughs> lots of words are in a thesaurus. I don't know what that are. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the fact that, 
fact of the matter is, is, you know, he's kids like to play for him. Um, yeah, no doubt. And, and he's so, doing what he needs to do in order to build up his roster. Like it's exactly. all strategic. Like I actually think he's one of the most strategically, you know, intelligent uh, coaches in the game. Yeah. And, and so Dion is, is very good for college football and I like what Colorado is doing. And, you know, the, the thing, the fact of the matter is, is that I think even the players, um, I mean, I know Oregon released that video of them trash talking. It was like, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, there, yeah. but everybody does that. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. Stanford, anybody who's Stanford. not, anybody who is shocked by that is like, Oh, I guess Stanford's you've never played con- competitive sports yeah. before. Stanford you know? is going to do that before games. It is, it is always going to happen. Okay. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that even his son Shadur like thought it was kind of, you know, he thought it was funny that some of the, you know, players were like rocking the bling and stuff. And they like asked him, like, can we take a picture with you? Sure. You know, and he, and he was like, cool about it. He was like, yeah, that's fine. You know, let's like take a joking picture together. So yeah, that's the thing. Everything, I think everything that Oregon did was just strictly motivation to really get the players. Oh, I, have, I have no doubt about that. I'm just asking you like, Hey man, do you see anything cool that like the ESPN cameras wouldn't show us or, or that we might've missed out on? Um, one thing that I, I think that the ESPN cameras didn't show you, uh, was kind of like, uh, pregame, uh, Dion was talking to a lot of the Oregon players that were practicing out in the field. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know what I mean? A lot of them are, you know, like, you know, maybe kind of starstruck. They wanted to go talk to him. <laughs> he, he clearly was having no issue going over and having discussions with them. Um, and so again, that's just, you know, another reason not to, not to get all off in your high horse about him, you know, you know, being this or that he was, he was more than willing to talk to the kids and everything. And I mean, at least from what I could see, he probably posed for, a, he posed for a few pictures with them too. And so it's just, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, the, the camera may not have picked that up because it was just during pregame warmups, you know, they may have made it out more like, Oh, Dion's here in enemy territories, you know, mm. roll on him. But like, no, he was, he was interacting just fine with everybody on the sidelines. All right. Uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the article that you wrote this morning uh, about what this win uh, means for Oregon. Uh, so we're recording on Thursday. Uh, uh, you uh, wrote an article that went up this morning reflecting on uh, the implications of uh, Oregon's win over Colorado. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. Um, we didn't completely solve the mystery of how good Oregon is yet. Uh, or how bad Colorado is. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're not really sure. Um, I think, you know, uh, granted, I, I, I get by with these opinion pieces, mostly based on opinion. Even I didn't have a, you know, a whole lot to offer there. It was, it was more like open-ended questions. Uh, the only thing that I, I, you know, said that at least from my end was But, but that- held just the fact that you have questions in a game in which there was a resounding, you know, d- defeat for one team, like, yeah, th- the fact that you have questions is relevant. Like yeah. it indicates, you know, something real. You would, ex- you know, not- one, one might expect an Oregon fan to be all, oh yeah, we know exactly who this team is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like you very sensibly, and I think very correctly are still like, hmm, I don't know. Nope. And like that is in itself an answer. Yeah, because you could sit there and be like, look what our defense did. Uh, we took, you know, this this kid that was, a, you know, starting to build Heisman hype and just kind of like completely humiliated him. 
you know, but then at the same time, you know, you allowed, uh, you know, Tyler Shuck and Texas Tech to, to, to score pretty, pretty well against you. So mm. that's what I mean. You can't sit there and be like, oh, this Oregon team, they, they proved who they were. They, they showed that they could, but because like I said in the article, I really, it was the Colorado State game that made me kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, yeah. maybe the, the, the hype was a little overbuilt and everything because I think, you know, myself included, along with even a lot of like the national media, you know, after the after the comments made and after, you know, the kind of like the, you know, pregame hype fest that was that was going on that week, you know, you kind of expected like, oh, this is where Colorado is going to really just show like, hey, we've arrived. They're going to win like, you know, 50 to seven or something mm-hmm. like that. And just the fact that at home in front of a crowd like that and everything like that, that they just had to barely eke by to beat this team that's just like loaded with a bunch of three-star recruits and walk-ons coming from a, you know, a, a, sure. a non-power conference. I was like, okay, I think we just saw the real Colorado. And so if you're going by that, I wasn't surprised that Oregon won soundly. I was saying Colorado is going to get a, like, you know, a, a reality dose when they come well, to your team. Like, it, it's not surprising that, like in a vacuum that that like that a talented te- that a more talented team than Colorado State like i understand what you're saying but like we've also seen teams plenty of times over and over again we saw it a bunch of times that saturday where talented teams at home uh faceplant you know, like in mm-hmm. games that they're supposed to, you know, crush their opponent that's either a close game or they lose, you know. And so, like, you know, uh, yeah, uh, on the one hand, like it is like a, a pleasant reassurance that Oregon didn't and that they, you know, took took care of business. But then, like, I don't know, the thing about this this and, and pretty much any game that takes place in week four is that it's still so early that like any game that you talk about and any game that sort of precedes it, like there's just you don't have all the the, the like interconnections and, and context no. to establish no. like you know in any game that you want to talk about or any team that you want to talk about there's always the on the other hand thing you yeah. know it's like well texas tech did this but on the other hand they're you know texas tech is one and three and on the other hand tyler shuck just broke his leg or mm-hmm. you know colorado's three and one on the other hand how good are the teams that they played well nebraska's defense is really good but on the other hand their offense is really bad but on the first hand their quarter quarterback kept putting the ball on the ground maybe if he quit doing that their offense wouldn't be god awful you know like hey they played the defending national champion runners up on the other hand they lost everybody it's like look man you can do like every team i can do that for all the colorado games i can do that for every team it's like there's on the other hand on the other hand on the other hand and it's not i mean like you really don't get a good handle on what each team is and what the value of each win is and like and on top of that there's also this phenomenon where like every team at least one game every year they play a game uh that's just like you need to throw in order to understand this team to get like the best handle on this team you need to throw one game a year out because like that game there's just like a weird game for them like Mm -hmm. and like i'm not saying i do this for like my data set or whatever but i like because i don't you know we don't have enough data really to do that we only play 12 games and usually only 11 of them are fbs games but like i will say like there's these are 19 year olds like they they're not robots they don't 
play the same game every no. week. And like, and usually it is the case that there's one game that's an outlier. And oh, yeah. here's the thing until basically the end of the season or pretty late into the season, you don't know which game the outlier is. You are guessing at this point 100%. if they've played an outlier game. And because the network effects haven't kicked in yet, you don't know which of all the networked games are the outlier game. So it's like, yeah, uh, it's totally fair to be asking these questions. Like, oh, I don't 100%. know. Uh, yeah. I mean, point in case, <laughs> throw it all the way back to that crazy 2007 season. Sure. Um, yeah. After, after the after the first few games, you had Michigan that was just, I mean, they just looked beaten all to hell. You know, they got upset yeah. by Appalachian State. Oregon beat the hell out of them, everything like that. And you had Florida coming right off a national championship. Right. You no, know, and everything like that, just looking like they're high rolling. Would you have ever guessed a few games into that season that in the bowl game, Michigan would defeat Florida? Yeah, right. No. Hell no. Of course I, you wouldn't. You know, yeah. and so it's you're you're 100% right. I mean, you know, even for the, you know, the kids listening in, this is a little bit of history uh, because it's, it's now 20 years old. But uh, Michigan's lost to Oregon in 2003. You know, I mean, you, you look at the directions that each team went from there. Michigan went on to win the Big Ten playing the Rose Bowl. Oregon kind of staggered through the Pac-12 until like a, a third or fourth place finish. Well, yeah, they had ball. Andy Ludwig as their yeah, own. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, know, like. Yeah, that, that, so you're absolutely right. It's 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 too early to be an indicator of what's, you know, of what's to come. And so. I mean, I, I think the best indicator that you can take away from this game. I mean, like, I, I guess I'll put, I guess I've already said this, but I, I think this much is indisputably true. I having done the film study on this game and I mean you 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 said it already you you watched their game against Colorado State you had a decent idea simply from what their talent level was what what Colorado State was the fact that it was a close game against Colorado State gave you an idea of what Colorado does I you know I I did you know somewhat deeper film study than that uh, and I you know came with the same conclusion or I think a little firmer grounds than that but still the same conclusion you know and so much so that like I you know when I was at the wedding like I wasn't like you know knocking over the floor arrangements to watch the game on my phone you know like mm -hmm. i was i knew it was going to happen um like uh um you know but oregon th this much is true oregon took care of business yeah they did what they were supposed to do they you beat, know they beat the tar out of a you know right. an inferior team and like i think we've all seen We've seen other college football teams this year. We've seen other college football teams in the past. We have seen other Oregon Ducks football teams when they are presented with games in which they ought to just take care of business and win by three, four scores. They don't. Mm -hmm. And that those teams have problems yes. and i'm not saying that oregon this means that oregon's never going to have problems but it does mean that like they didn't have problems this game and i'm glad that you know that 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 seems to be all systems go for the future yeah i mean and all systems go for the future is going to be very important because yeah definitely we, we got stanford and then the schedule gets real yeah <laughs> so it sure does that's why I said, like, you know, we're going to have a, you know, a lot of games coming up in October that are really going to show 
what Oregon is. I mean, just in October alone, they faced Washington, Washington State, and Utah. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're talking about like three ranked you know, teams right there. Everything that we've said about, you know, uncertainty about Oregon and uncertainty about Colorado, you know what? That's true of those three teams as well. Oh, you 100%. Know, those, I mean, those teams have also played four games. And yeah. those teams also have reasons to, to question simply because it's been only four games. Yeah. You know, you know. What what the hell is a win over Tulsa worth? What the hell yeah. is the win over uh you know uh, Baylor worth? You know yeah. what, what the hell is the win, you know the 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 worth of a, a win over Wisconsin at this point? Like these, I'm not you're not know, quite, you're not quite like, sure. Yeah. Like you know, all right, we're gonna have to wait for some more network effects. And I'm and I'm in. not and I'm not just saying saying this strictly as a Husky hater, mm-hmm. <laughs> although of course I am one. I have to be, mm-hmm. but. At the same time, you know, I even see like, you know, the national media being like Washington's got the most unstoppable offense in the country. They have, you know, the, the clear cut Heisman front runner. I'm like, what 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 defense has Washington played yet? Sure. You know? And so it's like the same thing. It's like, yeah, I'm sure the Huskies will be good. I mean, I'm, I'm not doubting that they're not going to be a contender. But at the same time, it's like, whoa, slow down. They haven't played a defense yet. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, So. And they also really haven't played a team that can throw the ball. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting. Well, I mean, they play Arizona in the desert uh, this weekend. I'm definitely looking forward to getting my hands on that tape and then having mm-hmm. the whole bye week to study it. Uh, but before we, uh, before I get to do that, uh, uh, Oregon's uh, going to play Stanford. Uh, so let's uh, take a break and we come back. We will talk about the game against Stanford. All right. Uh, the Stanford game is coming up in Palo Alto, California, or I guess dun, technically dun, dun. Stanford. <laughs> Stan- Stanford has Palo the most Alto. like boring. Their their stadium is technically located in the city named Stanford, California, and the yeah. name of the stadium is Stanford Stadium. stadium yeah, super yeah. creative stuff. Yeah, there. good job, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Um, Although it's, uh, the, it's been a problematic place for us to play, that's for sure. I, it sometimes has been, certainly. <laughs> um, I, maybe it's the deafening silence. I, 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 read a, <laughs> yeah. I, I read a story that Penn State, which has to play it in Northwestern um, uh, uh, this weekend, uh, is it turned off all of the music in their practice so that players would be used to playing in silence in order yeah. to get used to playing Northwestern. I was like, I wonder if Dan Lane yeah. is taking notes on this. The, <laughs> the ear-splitting sound of pencils scratching as students yeah. homework in the stands. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I, uh, uh, on Tuesday recorded, uh, our, our semi-annual podcast with uh, Jabril Taha, who's the, uh, the senior sports editor at the Stanford daily. Always great talking to Jabril is, you know, lots of great insights into the team. Um, I've, I've completed my film study on uh, Stanford and will be writing my article, uh, that'll go up on Friday morning, uh, around the same time as this podcast does. Um, what have you seen, uh, so far in, in Stanford, if anything, Adam? Well, I mean, <laughs> they, they, I mean, they, they've, they've had a game that they should have won and they didn't win. Um, uh, you mean you against, know, well, which team are you talking Because <laughs> I think that kind of describes two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you lose to Sacramento state, um, hey, Sacramento state's a good FCS team. They like, are a good FCS team, but they're still an FCS team. 
Um, it's 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 hard to really take Stanford super seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, they're they're going to stick to their usual game plan. They're gonna they're gonna try and you know go behind their offensive line and stuff. The problem is, you know, like we we noted in our summer discussions, is that that offensive line can't really control the line of scrimmage anymore. Yeah, no, they so, really can't. So I mean, it's I'm been not like really six sure. years for them. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not since I'm not, 2017 have they had an offensive line that could scare anybody. Yeah, no. So, I mean, you're looking at Stanford, and I think they're they're. I mean, unfortunately, I think they're kind of like in the place of Cal at this point. Those those Bay Area schools are just kind of like the mm. become the bottom feeders of the Pac-12. They're going to be just like the ones that you look at, and you're like, ah, okay. Well, you know, you're probably not going to you know, get too much of a threat from these guys. So it's more about covering the spread than anything else. Um, do I think Stanford can be competitive against Oregon? Maybe for a quarter or two. I, I, I don't, I don't see Stanford making much of a game out of this, regardless of whether it's in Palo Alto or not. I mean, yeah, it's, it's difficult to imagine that the, the win is in jeopardy. It's sort of like side action stuff, you know, like, you know, the, the, the margin of victory and, and uh, you know, whether there's any sort of surprise, which like there could be surprise. I think their new coach, Troy Taylor, is, is a good coach and, and he does, you know, have surprises in score. For, I mean, the biggest surprise is like trying to figure out what the quarterback situation is because they've been playing two different quarterbacks. Yeah, um, I still don't have an answer for that yet. So. Yeah, and, and indeed the quarterbacks has been a very surprising, like, situation because like well they lost tanner mckee who'd been their starting quarterback for the previous two years and he goes off to the nfl actually i think he was drafted lower than he should have been he's like drafted in the fifth round i i think he was a better quarterback than that anyway and like boy was really screwy because like they had two backup quarterbacks but like we basically very rarely saw them because like mckee was in for like almost every snap and uh, they had one guy who would like throw the ball on the rare occasion where they had a backup come come in. That was Ari Patu. And they had another guy who was like their wildcat quarterback, who's Ashton Daniels. Mm-hmm. And, and and it was like, well, you know, I guess they'll go with Patu as they're throwing quarterback. We haven't seen Patu at all. Like the only time I've ever seen him is when they go to like timeouts and he's like he's the signal caller guy. He's like wearing that like the 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 mesh jersey thing with the headset on. Yeah. yeah. Like that's it. Like he's alive. I can report that. But that's all. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Instead, it's been Ashton Daniels, like the running quarterback, you know, guy, you know, who started. He played all of the Hawaii game. He started the, the the USC game in week two because, you know, they, they played that early game against USC because they both do Notre Dame. It was weird. Um, yeah. But then, like, he takes a sack early in that game and he sort of, like, gets twisted up in that sack. And so they bring in Justin Lampson, who is the transfer they got from, um, from Syracuse. Here's the thing that's really, like, crazy is that all the camp reports that we were getting is that like Lamson has the big arm he's the thrower and uh but all they've really been using Lamson for has been running so it's like okay let me get this straight last year's running quarterback is their passer and and the guy with the big arm is their like quarterback draw guy so like this is hard to figure out um 
and it gets even weirder against Sac State. They do exactly first half, second half, right? Ashton Daniels comes in and plays the first half. Then they pull him in the second half and play Lampson in the second half. Uh, and we can't figure out whether or not that's like, that was like a planned thing or they pulled him for performance or the very, or if it's the case that the very last play of the first half was a sack. So maybe he just got dinged up again. Uh, so, so then against Arizona, they're still doing the two quarterback system, except it's like every play they're swapping. Like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, even yeah. even when we had, you know, our, our, our quarterback platoons over the years, we, you know, we, you could tell one of them was kind of like option 1A and option yeah. 1B. But this, well, this I, is Stanford. It's just like, yeah, flip a coin. I sort of. I don't think it's exactly flip a coin. I still think it's I think it's primarily Daniels, but. I think they bring Lamson in when they want to run certain plays, like primarily, you know, quarterback draw plays, but then also sometimes like some surprise passes. Um, and then the wrinkle is he's much more willing to take like downfield shots, which is like, I mean, the crazy stat about Stanford is that the majority of their yards are like like if you look at all yards that Stanford has gotten during meaningful play like add them all up it's it's something like uh uh 1114 yards the majority of them have come on 9% of their plays it's like it this you know that it, it's like a very small less than 10% of their plays produce half of all of their yards because it's like just out of the blue they hit a crazy explosive play, like 45 yard play. <laughs> and most of those have been like Lampson just hitting a like YOLO ball, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, this is weird. So he's your running quarterback, but also your YOLO ball quarterback. Yeah. Um, okay, this is weird. Um, so the it's deep, like the deep throw and the uh and, yeah. and the wheels, I guess, at the same time. But like, and so so I've been sort of like kind of like it's been weird the process of writing this article has been weird because it's like i want to solve all these puzzles for you because right you know that's me you know i'm a puzzle solver um like i, I want to like elucidate all of this stuff like i want to write like a 10 page essay uh, about like all about uh you know the stanford's offense and like i i will solve all these puzzles for you and you will understand the hell out of stanford's offense at the end of this article <laughs> but here's the thing that's like telling me not to do that is that Stanford is in F plus the 96th ranked offense. Like they are literally the, the, I mean, they're the worst in the pack 12 by a wide margin. They're the fourth worst in all of the power five. Like the, the three teams that are worse than them in the power five are, are, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, boy, it's a real who's who it's Northwestern Indiana and Iowa are the only teams in the power five that are worse than them on offense. They are underwater in every one of their stats, you know, that, that I track, uh, you know, and it doesn't matter which quarter back is in you know like I, I can actually tease out you know like Daniels is more efficient uh, and Lamson is more explosive and their numbers go up a little bit when this quarterback is in in this regard and they go up a little bit in you know in this other regard when the other quarterback is in and like I can tease it all out for you but it's just like it doesn't matter like all it is is they go from like absolutely horrible in everything except for this one thing uh, in which they're just 
really bad to you know absolutely horrible and everything except for this different area in which they're just really bad you know with the other quarterback and it's like that doesn't matter hith like you know this is irrelevant you don't need to solve this puzzle you know yeah. you just well, need to write that they're bad team. you know you know yeah. except except you know back on the first hand that was our metaphor from the second segment you know back on the first hand uh is that like look man i just know they're gonna hit some some passing play you know of like 30 yards and oregon fans are gonna freak out they're gonna be like kit you told us that this offense is the worst offense in the world how dare you not prepare me for the fact that they hit <laughs> one play you know and i'm I mean, like well i wanted to but then you know i hate i'm gonna feel bad it's gonna it's gonna happen you know i thought it was gonna happen against hawaii and then it never did and so now i'm just waiting for that shoe to drop you know uh you know at some point it is and i'm gonna feel terrible but like look man it's just it's not a good offense and it doesn't matter which quarter and it's like and it you know what it's probably the fact that they can't settle on a quarterback is making the offense even worse and uh you know i should quit sweating it and and, and oregon fans shouldn't sweat it either you know even if they you know out of the blue hit some big play because like uh, you know just don't you know don't worry about it uh you know oh and here's the other things there are you know you hit it you already nailed it but like their offensive line is just god awful they can't protect yeah. anything oh oh and the other thing is that you know their stats have been terrible their stats have been terrible against the following defenses hawaii usc sac state and fcs team which is actually probably the best defense they played yeah most likely uh, and Arizona, um, huh. which is they they, they lost by one point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like their their offense has been horrible against you know arguably the worst four defenses that any team has played. Like it is conceivable that Stanford is you know going to finish the season with you know with what we will know about the defenses that they played with like a world historic historically terrible offense. Um, like yeah, man, yeah uh yeah um it's like their offensive line can't like oh, oh man here's the other thing like this is i guess confession time this is sort of why we created the the, the podcast was to talk about our writing process you know and all the stuff that doesn't make it into our articles the oh, thing wow. that breaks my heart about their rushing offense like is not well there's actually one thing breaks my heart that is genuinely makes me sad for Stanford. And the other thing breaks my heart that makes me sad for me. Um, the thing that makes me sad for Stanford is I think they actually have some really good running backs. I, I actually, they have Emmett Smith's son, EJ Smith. Um, they have Casey Filkins, um, who I really liked last year. He sort he filled in for EJ Smith when he got hurt. And I actually really liked the way that Casey Filkins ran. Um, and they have a, a freshman, Cedric Irvin, um, who's I, I actually, I think really good. He actually broke off a, 45 yard run against Arizona in which he broke five tackles, which should actually mostly tell you something about Arizona's defense. Like Jesus Christ, dude. Um, uh, 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 but still like, Hey, way to go, dude. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not going to appear in my article because it's a freak play. And the purpose of my articles is to present, you know, representative, you know, to, to educate you about like, you know, what, what is representative for that team and freak plays are definitionally not representative. But like I figured to mention on the podcast, he's cool. I like their running backs. I wish that the running backs got a, a chance to play in an offense that actually got to showcase them. I think if they played for like an SEC team, they'd be putting together like draft me film. Um, but instead they play for Stanford. 
Stanford. So I guess they'll still be millionaires, you know, but <laughs> in a different way. Uh, anyway, the um, so that's what breaks my heart about them. The um, what breaks my heart for me is my entire tally sheet is filled to bursting with meticulous notes about all these dozens, dozens and dozens of running plays in which I have noted uh, exactly how the offensive line has screwed up their assignments. I don't just mean they got beat like they were trying to do the right thing, but the defensive line overpowered them. No, I mean, like, you don't know what your assignment is. Oh, my God, who is teaching you football? (laughs) like like this is malpractice you know this is horrible um and and like but i can only put a couple of them in my article and it's like no one's ever gonna see these right like i'm the only person like i I got to write them down i guess it was good exercise for me but like man i should like i want to man there's a part of me I, i i shouldn't do this it would take forever and it would be pointless i mean maybe it would educate somebody or maybe an off season project i don't know but it would just be dumping on like nine kids oh i'll come back to that in a second uh of like you don't know how to play football this is egregious it would be like a three hour youtube video about like let me tell you about how about all the different ways in which you are getting your assignments wrong and i have to leave them all on the cutting room floor because like i just can't fit them in my article like it's it is galling it is galling like again it's not i mean it is that they are getting overpowered but it is also like that is not the dude you are supposed to be blocking on this play who taught you football um like that's how 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 poor their offensive line is playing now i just said nine different dudes you might have said wait a minute i thought there were only five people who play offensive line not for stanford (laughs) it's been nine they've had it's only been one dude playing center although that's a problem because he is the guy with the worst grades um but they've had three different human beings play uh left tackle they've had two different human beings play left guard one of whom is an fcs transfer the other of whom is a walk-on uh they've had three different dudes playing right guard one of whom is the the walk-on left guard um and one of whom is a true freshman <clears throat> and uh they've had two different dudes playing left tackle one of or right tackle one of whom is you know the the third string left tackle like uh if you add all that up it's nine human beings i i promise i can count um the yeah it's bad they're and it's not because of injuries like i i made sure of that um it's just that like they can't figure out who's good at their offensive line and um and the reason they can't figure out who's good at offensive line is because that question has no answer um like it's like yeah it's just awful like and and, uh in particular this will probably come as no surprise but in particular the where the areas in which their grades are the worst are their interior guards at run blocking which that's really bad um to be uh, uh, as an interior guard, uh, and, uh, their offensive tackles, all five of them, uh, at, uh, at pass protection, which that's really bad to be bad at pass protection as an offensive tackle. And so they get sacked like a million times, like there's tons of sacks Their their sacks, scramble throwaway rate is, you know, through the roof. Um, and, uh, their quarterbacks are not particularly, um, good at avoiding sacks it's not really their fault i mean it is sort of but it is also not really because the pressure usually comes from multiple directions it's not just like dodging one dude it's it's just really bad so it's like 
they have a lot of problems, man. They have a lot of problems. Um, and, and on top of, I mean, there's other problems with the quarterbacks too. Like that, you know, that Daniels checks it down too easily. Um, the, he, he way too easily reaches for the tight end on, on, on passes that are like too short, you know, it'll be like third and 16 or, or second and 17. And it'll show throw way too short of the sticks. You know, um, they have to put, they have to put, um, uh, uh, they have to, they, they, they usually are playing out of 12 personnel and then they will keep seven or even eight dudes in for protection, like including the running back just to get a clean pocket. So there's only like two or three dudes in the pattern for him to throw to, um, even against like four man rushes. So like the defense is only sending four. The offense is protecting the quarterback with eight dudes, which means the defense has seven guys in coverage against like two guys in the pattern. You know how difficult it is to throw to two guys in the pattern versus seven guys in coverage. Like <laughs> it's tough, you know, like, uh, and, and, and like, it's not like they have superhuman, you know, wide receivers to, you know, they, they don't got Jerry Rice running around back there. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I actually think their, their receiver core is fine. Like, I don't really think their receiver core is the bottleneck, but like they can't overcome that kind of, you know, numbers disparity. Uh, oh man, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. It just is. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for explaining to us exactly how bad. No, I, there's more. I can read my article. Oh, I haven't gotten to the defense yet. No, the defense is also bad. Nah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're um, actually they're pat. Okay, here's the thing that's a little interesting. It has to do with USC. No, I'm not going to talk about it. I think the you. Hmm. Some of their numbers against USC are difficult to parse for the following two reasons. Number one, the game effectively went into garbage time very, very quickly against USC. And so I don't, you know, it just, they just don't occupy a big part of the sample. Yeah. Here's the other thing that's interesting about them. USC was effectively only running like two plays, like two base plays against Stanford. Um, it, it, both of which were effectively RPOs. Um, and RPOs are difficult for the stat keeper to classify. It's actually causing a really big problem over the, like the last three or four years because different stat keepers will classify like RPO swing passes sometimes as rush plays. Um, yeah. Like it's really, yeah, it's really kind of, and so like the same offense in different games because they will have different stat keepers in different stadiums will be categorized different. And only your, you know, film reviewer, who is a unitary person, um, will grade them out the same way and provide you the true stats, so, which means don't don't read anybody's articles but me. Right. That's yeah, that's cult thinking that I'm just propagating. Anyway, um, any any anyway, propaganda um, there, maybe. But it was here's the thing that's interesting about Stanford's defense when they uh, uh, against USC, the they were completely unable to stop those RPOs, which like their defensive staff ought to be hanging their head in shame, like that they couldn't stop them. Like that it was just like embarrassing. They never figured out what to do about these RPOs. Like they were defending them completely wrong. And it's, and Lincoln Riley has been running that power RPO scheme since the Oklahoma days. This is like year eight of them. Like the idea that they wouldn't know 
what they were seeing and how to react to it properly is, and I don't just mean like they ran it and they got beat by superior athletes. I mean, that was happening sometimes. I mean, just like I was talking about the offensive line a second ago, I mean, like they didn't know what to do. They were Mm -hmm. playing the assignment wrong. Who taught you football? You know, that was like embarrassing stuff. And so Lincoln Riley, very sensibly, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from Lincoln Riley for running the same two plays at all. This was, good good you're supposed to do this if they can't stop it you keep running it um yeah so that's what they did you know i'm I'm not knocking lincoln riley i'm patting them on the back and they never stopped the rpo run that rpo um here's the thing when when they got like a little bored of that and they were like i I think i'd like to run just some pocket passing plays here just to give you know caleb williams a little bit of a workout you know i'm like my 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 flankers are getting kind of bored here you know doing nothing uh like i'll I'll just stand in the pocket and you know throw throw the ball a little bit adam they got nothing (laughs) they got absolutely nothing doing that like like uh or when they just went, you know, non RPO runs, just like, just, you know, just standard, you know, just handoff runs, you know, off tackle power, which is the base, it, it, the, the, when there's no RPO tag to it, when it's just the, I mean, the, the, the off tackle power is the base run play to his RPO offense, but there are several plays where he just straight up runs it. You know, there's not an RPO tag to it, you know? Um, so those plays, they got nothing. Yeah. And so it's like, hold up, can USC not run the ball? And can USC not pass the ball out of the pocket? Like, what? Um, so I'm interested in watching more USC games. Certainly. Yeah, maybe um, something for Colorado to take a peek there at. Is, here is one thing, but this is relevant to Stanford. I don't really actually think their rush defense is good at all. I think it's it's not. I know that from watching their other games. Um, yeah. like it's terrible. Like It's really, really, it's it's actually the worst unit on the team. Um, it's, it's 30% rush efficiency or rush Def, uh, defensive success rate against efficiency runs like that they, they, they you know uh, opponents succeed on 70 percent of their run plays like yeah run run the ball all day in stanford um and remember i am sensitive i am correctly you know tallying what is and is not a run unlike dummies um run the ball all day in stanford um here's there there's there is one interesting th- thing to note about that which is Unlike in previous years where the interior of Stanford's defensive line has been uh, the issue because they were in sort of, that's a long story. You have to read some of my articles in the past about that. They were in sort of a recruiting problem with the interior of the defensive line. It's sort of, they're on, they've come through the other side of the tunnel on that. However, they're, they're basically fine on the interior of the defensive line now. And it's actually, it's not the, I'm not saying that they're the greatest defense in the uh, interior defensive linemen in the world or anything. I'm just saying they're no longer a joke on the the interior of their defensive line um yeah. what his defensive line's probably in better a lot better shape than the offensive line which would sound uh, weird, would sound sh- weird sure. but <laughs> sure what's 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 flipped though and, and i mean like flipped compared to last year is where the where the problem is for their de- de- defensive front is their edges which even as even as recently as last year i was like actually sanford's edges ain't bad um Nope, their edges are bad now, um, which I was not expecting. And not just bad, but like kind of taking plays off. 
Like it's kind of yeah. like, and I was yeah. talking to Jabril about this. I sort of thought I was losing my mind here. And then Jabril, um, the, 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 the Stanford, uh, 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 senior editor for their, their paper and like his colleagues at the paper, uh, and at the sports radio station, uh, that, that, that he, he works for as well. Um, were like, yeah, no, we all, we were all talking about that too. You're not crazy. And I was like, Oh, thank God. You know, I thought I was going crazy. Um, and it was like, no, you're not. We were also all saw the same thing. And I was like, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so that's nuts. So like, yeah, you should run outside against Stanford. Like it's really nutty. Um, so that's, that's it about the run game. Um, here's the thing that's nutty about their pass game. And like, is it interesting about, it's sort of an interesting thing about USC, but I'm going to have lots of games to watch about USC. So like, don't take that as gospel. Trust me. I will write a full report about USC. You know, we will have lots of data about that. That's sort of maybe a little tantalizer for you, but like, yeah, whatever, you know, I may watch further games about USC and completely revise my opinion and just say, Oh, forget all about that. Um, but Hey, God, Stanford's coming up. You should pay attention to my opinion about this. Um, uh, which is, I kind of think, and this is a big surprise because they had to completely replace their secondary. I mean, completely replace their secondary. They lost everybody off of their secondary last year. Um, I think their cornerbacks, uh, Colin Wright and Zaron Manley, um, which is a total surprise because like neither of those guys played last year, like at all. Uh, um, Manley wasn't even on the team last year. He left the team in 2022 um, and came back for this year. Um, I think their cornerbacks are actually not half bad at all. May even just be straight up good. Like, like I'm, I'm not joking about that. Little it, diamond it, like in the rough for them. Huh? Like it's difficult. It's kind of difficult for me to assess cornerback play. It is especially difficult for me to, cause I'm working with broadcast angles and, um, and with broadcast angles, unless the cornerback is being thrown against the camera just won't show him. And so if a cornerback is doing his job, it's like, how am I supposed to tell? Um, uh, on the other hand, if you're playing a lousy quarter court QB, um, maybe he's not throwing against him because he's a lousy QB. Or if you're playing a team that has a lousy pass defense in the middle of the field, it's like, you know, maybe it's, it's like that old story. Like if you and me are in the woods and, and a bear starts chasing us and I start running and, and you say, what are you doing? We can't outrun the bear. And I say, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you, you know, like maybe the cornerbacks aren't great. Maybe it's just, they're a little bit better than the safeties and the linebackers in the middle of the field. And so it's like, why throw against the slightly less terrible cornerbacks when I can throw against the truly terrible safeties and linebackers, you know? So, yeah. you know, it, I, I, I could be wrong about this, but I kind of got a feeling and I will put film clips in my article. You can look at them yourself, but I kind of get the feeling. And here's the other thing. Jabril disagrees with me, which is very weird because over the years, Jabril has usually been much higher on Stanford's cornerbacks than I have been. So this mm -hmm. is a total reversal for me to be like higher on Stanford's cornerbacks than Jabril. So again, I could be wrong, but I'll finally spit it out. I kind of get the feeling that Stanford has a pair of good cornerbacks this year. Hmm. I am very surprised to say that. But I kind of think that Wright and Manley might be good cornerbacks. Now, it probably doesn't matter. 
it probably doesn't matter at all because the middle of their field is god off. Like there's there's their safeties can't cover it all. Their linebackers can't cover it all. I will have lots of clips in my article of them getting shredded. Their defense is terrible. Hell, their defense is just as bad as in F plus as their offense is. Uh, they are also the fourth worst uh, in the country um, in the Power Five um, in F plus. They are ninety uh, first. Um, they are not the worst uh, in, in the Pac twelve. However, that's Colorado. Um, yeah, <laughs> you don't say they're the 11th worst in the Pac 12. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, or the 11th best, they are second to worst. Uh, anyway, the uh, 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 the 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 yeah, but like their passing efficiency stats are 49.47, like close to average. Hmm. However, they're giving up a huge amount of explosive passing plays. And the reason is the safeties can't tackle. And you will definitely see clips of that in my article where the safeties go to tackle a dude. And it's like, whiff, 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 whiff. It's real. It, it's sad. Um, yeah. And the, and the linebackers are slow and they can't, you know, so you run like crossing routes or tight end routes, you know, against them. And they're like huffing and puffing and they can't keep up, you know, it's yeah. So you just attack the middle of the field and Oregon likes attacking the middle of the field. So I don't anticipate any problems there but like i don't know man you know uh troy franklin uh you know gary bryant and 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 uh you know other oregon outside wide receivers might get a little bit of a workout uh um from these cornerbacks which is like a little interesting thing to note um who knows how that's going to play out you know if at all um and again i you know I, i'm kind of working on a theory here that usc's wide receiver core might kind of suck um <laughs> And um, maybe Caleb Williams just makes them look better than they are. Uh, that's being true. So it may be the case that it's just that like that, that Stanford's corners have played, you know, four. Oh, I do think that Hawaii has some good receivers, but as I noted, when I Stanford's opener was against Hawaii and Oregon also played Hawaii. So I, you know, that game was a very useful game for me. And mm -hmm. I do think that Hawaii has good receivers and they did light up Stanford, but notably all of Stan uh, Hawaii's deep routes were post routes and they wound up running to the middle of the field. They were not successful um, running sideline routes, um, uh, or basically anytime they challenged Stanford's corners. So that was interesting. Um, hmm. so yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I am actually really, you know, if there's, if there is anything in this game that I am looking forward to, I guess there's two things. One is, like I said, like a bolt of lightning out of the blue Stanford's offense does hit these explosive plays. Um, and like, I can't, I try, I ran it through the regression engine to see if I could find any kind of like way to predict, you know, is it field position? Is it the quarterback? Is it the formation? Is it proceeding plays? Is it, you know, every, every kind of court. I mean, that's what a statistical regression is. It's a correlation analysis, nothing. It couldn't, it can come up, come up with it. I even put the FCS data in, you know, which I don't like doing because and even with the FCS data, it couldn't come up with any sort of correlation, not a, not a robust enough to be worth reporting on. Um, I, it's, it's random as far as I can tell. So that is number one that I'm interested in for this game against Oregon is like, Hey, can they do the same thing to Hawaii? you know, that they did to Hawaii, you know, in which I was like, Hey, Oregon fans, they're going to hit a big play because it's the only thing they do. Don't freak out about it. Like, Hey, can they go, you know, two for two on that one? You know, can, can Oregon's defense go two for two on that one, you know, and actually 
stop those two. Um, I'm, I'm curious about that. The other thing I'm curious about, though, is that like if my theory about Stanford having sneaky good cornerbacks um, is true, like, hey, if if Bo Nix and Troy Franklin or, or other, uh, you know, outside receivers, you know, beat what may be the best set of outside corners that they play uh, to date, you know, given that, that they unfortunately were not able to play Travis Hunter because of uh, because of that injury that he took against Colorado State on that cheap shot, which really sucks. You know, it really sucks that Oregon that, that he was injured and that Oregon didn't get to play him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I'm right about my theory, that would mean that through week five, the best set of cornerbacks that Oregon will have played all year will be these Stanford cornerbacks. And I guess I am interested to see, hey, if Oregon can throw about uh, against these cornerbacks, you know, that would be a, a test that I would be interested to see if they can pass. Um or I would also be interested to see how they react to that. Maybe they see the same thing on, on film as I do. And they're like, it's not worth it, you know, even trying when we can hit the middle of the field and, and we'll just do the smart thing and throw against the middle of the field. You know, I I'm, and I'm, I, that would give me some data about what kind of play caller um, Will Stein is, you know, uh, either way I'm going to get data. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Adam? I know it's football season. Uh, we're, we're primarily focused on that. But Duck fans, uh, you might want to check out volleyball. They are legit. They are national contenders and they are fun to watch. Oh, hell yeah. Um, they are. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're continuing conference plays. They so far have not dropped a set in conference play. They swept uh, Oregon State. They swept uh, uh, UCLA. Um, you're right. They uh, uh, they continue conference play uh, uh, this, I believe, on Friday um, in Matthew Knight Arena. Uh, they host uh, uh, um uh, Washington, uh, and Washington's not that good this year, so they should smash them. Um, and then, uh, on Sunday they host, uh, Washington state, which is a top 10 ranked team, um, yep. which, uh, should be a hell of a matchup. Like Oregon's played multiple top 10 teams. Uh, they've won the majority of those matches. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Oregon's a great women's volleyball team. You can support them, uh, on Friday and on Sunday. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, uh, you know, those are indoor games. Uh, it, it of course, uh, is uh, usually pretty good weather in Matthew Knight arena, but it never rains on this podcast.